well, well, meet us at midnight with the one and only Joe Peacock. Jan, I can barely even see you through that lavender haze. (laughs) Good. We are gathered here today, dearly beloved listeners of Pop Apologists, to talk about Midnight's. Joe, how does it feel to be back in the saddle? Uh, Thrilling. So glad you had me back. And you look so cozy in that sweater. And I just have to say, like, I also want to be cozy in a sweater Halloween weekend, but... I'm in LA and my AC is like at 63, moving to 62 (laughs) degrees right now to try and (laughs) feel that season. Okay, we get it. You live in the best climate in the world. I'll move back there one day. I'm having my season in New York. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm so happy that you're here. It feels so right. I mean, I, I feel like a week ago, everything changed. A watershed moment, you could say. It is really funny because looking at the last week, like I've listened to nothing but Midnight's. Like I've not made time for any other artists and really hardly Mm -hmm. any of of her music besides this. It's funny that you say that because I've been in a complete haze, you know, fugue state only listening to Taylor. But Keith Urban did release some new music yesterday. Oh my god! <laughs> I did dip my toes. I feel bad for any other artist releasing albums in this three-week, four-week period. Like Carly Rae Jepsen came out with an album the right. same day as Taylor. And it's like, oh, they're obviously <sighs> kind of serving the same market. And it's just, yeah. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I don't know what these record producers marketing executives are thinking like you every uh, every other artist for the month of October just needs to hunker down do some recharging consider it a vacation when Taylor Swift puts out new music consider it like paid vacation for you to just uh not work on your craft and not release anything new because we we can't frankly we do not have space in our brains to listen to anything else totally and I think the billboard top 10 will uh show that when it's released on Monday but right now I think it's projected that she'll be the first artist to occupy all top 10 songs at at once from this album you're kidding yeah the only other artist who have come very close to that is Drake when he came out with his album in 21 that summer uh nine of his tracks uh yeah held the the top 10 spots it's yeah I think there were also like 47 songs on that album. So, you know. <laughs> on Drake's. Like, yeah, on Drake's. There were so many songs. Um, it's a lot easier yeah, to do now, though, because a lot of those charts are uh, pulled from like Spotify data, right. Apple Music data versus like radio play. Uh, but yeah, still exciting. Yeah. Let's talk about where we were a week ago, Thursday. Yeah, um, it felt like we were changed. on the verge and- of Y2K, honestly, like yes. scrolling Twitter and just like yes. feeling this impending release. Just I say Y2K because I felt like there was a lot of uncertainty of where was she mm-hmm. going to go now that she was well, mm-hmm. now that she was post folklore and evermore. I think was she right. really going to be out of the woods? Was she leaving the woods and going to pop or like where was she going? Exactly. I was nervous for this album because I don't know. She's given us so many bangers and she's. She's topped the charts and blown us out of the water every single time. And, you know, I am nothing if not a student of physics. And I just know that you can't, you know, keep going up. What goes up must come down. Um, (laughs) I was not prepared to to speak on physics today, but here I go. Well, you bring up a good point, though, Jan. Like, I feel like most pop stars experience 
enormous success and then just like that's the cadence they fizzle out and Mm -hmm. they're kind of they become legacy acts i mean look at Katy perry with teenage dream she followed with a successful prism record but after that like they were essentially critical and uh pop duds not even the divorce from russell brand could (laughs) send her back to the top of the charts yeah absolutely I don't know. By the hand of God was, you know, the top of my charts off uh, yes. the Prism record. But yeah, not everyone's. But I think Taylor, honestly, like, obviously, she kind of hit her apex with with 1989. But then after that, after she was like, experienced some online bullying by uh, Miss Kardashian. And then mm-hmm. um, I think really like folklore really changed uh, her legacy and trajectory where it just like solidified yeah. her has someone on the same line as like the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm, an evergreen mm-hmm. artist. Like it, I, I really believe that. I think Ed Sheeran has said as much. I just got the chills all over my legs when you said that. Um, <laughs> don't tell Ben <laughs> because you're exactly right. I think also what folklore did was it widened her audience in a way that like the other albums didn't. I think that people were like, I don't even like Taylor Swift, but I love folklore, you know? Because it really like bled into that indie genre. I think you're exactly right. I mean, obviously she had a big audience prior, but you're exactly right. She completely widened it. Because I know just in my friend circle, people who I think thought they were too smart and too good for her all of a sudden were like, wow, she's amazing. And what was great about it is I think they were like, yeah, I don't like Taylor Swift. I like Folklore Evermore. But then as Taylor has re-recorded her prior album, she's they've been listening to them they're like wait right she's an amazing songwriter yeah and i don't think any i've never met anyone who could really deny the uh, allure and appeal of all too well 10 minute version so i think this album just like release itself to more fans than there ever were of taylor swift which is such an interesting trajectory for a pop artist because usually it's yeah uh goes the reverse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and one more thing about her you know contested artistry i i I just don't really understand people who say, oh, I I don't really like Taylor Swift. Like Taylor Swift literally has something for everyone. And she proved this with folklore. And I think that people who say that are ignorant. I think that they are, you know, choosing to walk a blind path. And I hope they get well soon. Chant, I think you hit it on the last part and they they hope they get well soon. I will go one step further. I think they're broken in some way. Yes. (laughs) This is a great hurt people po- yeah. hurt people in your hurt words. people hurt people. <laughs> we saw that this summer walking and we're, we're seeing it now too in the light of the release of Taylor. But honestly, I think the great thing about the moment in time we're in is that your opinion of Taylor Swift says more about you than it does about her. Do yes. we have time for a quick yes. story? We do. We absolutely do. Please. I was on a second date uh, circa a week ago. So it's actually the um, this is where I was when this album was dropping. Okay. Um, okay. I was on a, a sunset hike in the Palisades. Gorgeous. And it was second date. And I asked this person as we're like summiting the hill, uh, I was like, so I'm nervous to ask you this question, but where are you at in your Taylor Swift journey? Like, obviously, that's not a <laughs> real, like, I don't actually care if you listen to her music or not. But, like, her album's coming out in two hours. It's really, like, at the forefront of my mind. I'm not not going to talk about it. Absolutely. You're you're struggling to talk about anything else but that. Thank you. you it's a, it's a miracle that I'm here. In. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Chant, he goes, oh, Taylor Swift. She yeah. is, yeah, yeah. The, the way he said her name like that. I immediately, like, he was so sincere. I thought she had personally done something to him. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I was making space for his pain. 
This mofo. Thank you. And he proceeds to say she is the most inauthentic person. <gasps> and I just like, I'm like, oh, oh. And I just like, okay, oh, I might be careful what I, mean, I say because she's releasing an album in, in half an hour. And that was that. Literally. I might be careful with what I say because she's, you know, the artist of our generation and you're an idiot. And there will totally. not be a third date. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, he, he he pulled out a slight red flag. Um, which followed later in the date that uh, he had like sidebar mentioned that he leans more conservative, a gay male. And I, mm. I just, all these things together, I was like, I think I've yeah. met you at BYU before and I don't want to date you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm good. You know, if that works for you, amazing. But yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's an interesting tilt. Um, I think anyone wow. who's bothered by her success and legacy, like, they don't have space in their heart for, you know, if, if you can't handle Taylor Swift's success, you really probably can't handle what I have to offer. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Joe, I'm so sorry that you found yourself in that fraught situation with such a hateful person. And, you know, I, I'm sending good energy your way and healing in, in the wake of that. Thank you. I haven't left the house since. Just really been listening to Midnight's <laughs> on repeat. Um, I think we should just also share... I know we're we're having a longer intro, but we just really need to provide all the context on our love for Taylor Swift and you know how how intense this moment was for both of us respectively. Um, but I think we need to talk about the temptation that we were faced with Thursday evening around seven yeah. p.m. and and what we did when we were you know you know they say character is what you do when no one else is watching, and I think you and I showed immense character. Would you like to tell this story? Thank you. Uh, you can re- 100%. you can remove names. To protect sure, the sure. Uh, not so innocent. Chan and I were in a group text <laughs> with uh, two other females, and uh, <laughs> female one shares a link and says, "You guys do what you want to do, but my friend just sent me this Google hard drive link to Taylor's unreleased album." <laughs> and I think Chan or someone had pointed out it was like someone had dropped the nukes in our group text. Yes, it was like the yeah, it was like the nuclear codes. That we could choose I, to yeah. click on if we wanted. Yeah. I, I will say my job, my choice was a little easier because I was at the gym. I work out and I forgot my AirPods. <laughs> and so I was like, I wasn't going to play mm, these in mm. like plain sight anyways. Right, but I was too afraid right. to click on the drive because I just thought for sure that would somehow get back to Tree Payne, Taylor's publicist, and mm-hmm. they would sue my ass. <laughs> and I was like, I am not going to get locked up over this, you know? Oh, Absolutely not. Yeah, you're not going to have big machine records. Is that her record company? Is that what it's called? Uh, prior. Now it's universal, but yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Anyways, yeah, you don't want them throwing the book at you. Yeah, when that link got dropped in the group text, I felt like I had a loaded gun in front of me. I felt like I I didn't even know what to do with it. I actually sent it to a few of other people, which is Oh my gosh. Not, not right. I didn't click on it myself, but I did, you know, offer up the temptation to other friends. <laughs> Uh, but I, I compared it to like, you know, the first time that you have sex or when you lose your virginity, I don't like that phrase, but you know, the set and the setting need to be right, you know, right person, right place, whatever, right circumstance, right time. Um, more on that later on the Patreon, but yeah, it also felt the same way to me. And I just thought like, I want to save myself for the real thing. Yes. Yes. The real fucking thing okay because the the counterfeit version you know 
the Google Drive link version of experiencing that moment, what just didn't sit right with me. So I, I didn't click on it. I thought about it, but I, you know, went to sleep early and knew that I could wake up in the morning and, you know, have the real thing. Well, and needless to say, our two friends are now live tweeting their reactions to the stolen version that they're listening yes. to. Yeah. Yes. Insane. Yeah. 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 And you know what? They'll never get that back. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never have the honor of listening to a Taylor Swift record released legally. And that's on them. <laughs> and that's on them. And that's something they have to live with for the rest of their lives. Anyways, um, we love you, female one and female two, so much. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll write you in jail. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the books of heaven have uh, recorded your act last Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Should we get into it? Should we just start? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start. Okay. Let us begin with, the, I listened to the album uh, in order. Did you do the same? I did the same for at least the first or two times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's begin with the first song. We already played a little snippet of it at the beginning, but let's get into it. haze everybody it's so good so this is the first song we hear off the record obviously and also with this record i think it's her first record where there's absolutely no lead single i know folklore and evermore were surprise Mm -hmm. drops but even with those we had a a lead single uh music video i think the night it came out or maybe a few hours before and, and we didn't have anything and so i think a lot of people are wondering like again is she gonna stay in the sounds of folklore and evermore or not and this the sound is is more of a return to the whole album. I think is more of a return to lover reputation era in my mind. Yeah, and and honestly, nineteen eighty nine too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's, and yeah, it should be noted that she, she started working with Jack Antonoff on on some of the nineteen eighty nine tracks in this album. Outside of the three AM tracks, she's exclusively working with Jack Antonoff. Right, right. Uh, okay, let's listen to a, a little bit more of it. The 1950s shit that people want for me. It makes me want to turn this song and adopt it into a gay anthem as if like the 1950s (laughs) shit people want for me, like be married to a woman or something. Yes. Not having it. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Please turn it into a gay anthem. Um, Wow. I'm curious to hear your take on this. Yeah. I'm curious to hear Um, your take on it because I feel like I'm less hot on this song than the general public or the general fandom. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, my take is similar to yours. When I first heard it, I was like, yeah, this is groovy. Like it's, it's got, it got like a, a sexiness to it. It feels a little darker. And it was the, the first song, obviously off the album, first one I heard. And it did start to like uh, confirm the rumors about how dark this album was going to f- be for her, how much darker it was going to be, I guess. Um, my take on it though, was that it, 
it didn't hit for me until like day three or four. Uh, mm-hmm. There were other songs off the album that instantly hit. And this was not like, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to need to repeat this song three to four times before I can move on to the next, which is what happened with a few of the other tracks. Yeah, I, I relate to that. I think this one, I dismissed it immediately. And then similar to you after like the third or fourth listen, I was like, okay, this is a good song. But I have to say, yeah. after that, I haven't ever gone back and been like i really want to hear lavender haze i think it's an opener track that sets the mood for the album and i think it does what it needs to do but it's not one that i want in permanent rotation but it's interesting because it is like one of the higher performing songs so far off this album and i have to imagine that's just because it's the first song right 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 um yeah i think that there were just other ones that were stronger but that being said when i do play it when i do like you know put on my midnight's queue as i you know go to take a shower or whatever like you know this is third or fourth in the queue i want to hear it but it's not Mm. the first thing i reach for um let's talk about some fan theories with this song ready yeah so i'm just going to be reading from this article in the week that kind of has compiled nicely all of the fan theories um, for each of the songs. And this one talks about how Lavender Haze was inspired by Mad Men. And Taylor even confirmed this herself, that she heard the phrase Lavender Haze uh, first in in the show Mad Men. And she says, I happened upon the phrase Lavender Haze when watching Mad Men. And I looked it up because I thought it sounded cool. And it turns out that it's a common phrase used in the 50s where they would just describe being in love. Yeah, no, I definitely recognize that that's that's true. She obviously girl watches TV and movies uh, dating her actor, Joel Alwyn. Um, I also like the lyrics in this song uh, where Mm -hmm. she kind of addresses the because I think everyone's obsessed now, not over who she's dating, because we know for sure well who she's dating, Joel Alwyn, but whether she's engaged, whether she's going to be married. And she sings, uh, all they keep asking me is if I'm going to be your bride. The only kind of girl they see is a one night or a wife. And I do like mm-hmm. that kind of common theme throughout this album that she's essentially saying, hey, I can be more than a wife or or your girl. Right. Um, I don't know. It just it's in such contrast to something like Love Story, where it's kind of like, let me be your girl. Give me the ring. Propose to right, me. And now it's right, like, right. maybe that's maybe that's not everything. Right. Well, and maybe that's the hallmark of a really peaceful relationship where it's like, Mm. I'm not in this crazy rush to get to every single next step and to just like blow through the milestones. I'm enjoying where we're at right now. I'm not in a rush because I, I feel so good. I think it is a sweet idea, though, of kind of recognizing we're in this beautiful moment of our relationship, this kind of lavender haze, you know, past infatuation, and she doesn't want it to be disrupted and yet she recognizes i think by calling it a haze that it is a moment in time and it won't mm-hmm. always be this way so she's like enjoying it for what it is and, and while right. it lasts like this um, yeah yeah i completely agree um okay let's go to the next song off your vinyl shelf cause we lost track of time again laughing with my feet in your lap like you were my closest friend how'd we end up on the floor anyway you say your roommate's cheap i screw top rose that's how
stop playing it. I love it so much. It was hard for me to turn that volume down. I'm so glad to hear that because right now, if you're to ask me what's my favorite song off this record, it would be Maroon Track 2. Uh, I think it is such a vibe. I have to say, I don't really know what all the lyrics are or what they mean, or even if they're like that potent. But the chorus and the vibe this creates, like it makes me want to make a baby. It makes me want to yes. be out late, which I never do. I love it. It is such a bop. It is dark but it's sexy and I love what you said about the lyrics because I I do think that there's tons of easter eggs in these lyrics and I'm not sure who she's talking about I'm seeing stuff online about it's about Carly Kloss uh, it's about Tom <laughs> Hiddleston you know I'm I am racking my brain for who it could be about and then you know another bomb got dropped on me yesterday on TikTok when I saw someone said it was about Jake Gyllenhaal which would mean that it was like the sequel to Red literally maroon can you like my brain just exploded when i saw that when i when i let myself you know think that maybe this was about jake too and who knows i know i mean because it is the co same color shade i would not be surprised if it's about jake gyllenhaal because i heard taylor i think on the graham norton show yesterday say this album first of all she called it a concept album which i would really like to put a pin in and discuss later but um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she said she gave herself a creative writing prompt essentially if I was up until midnight what would I be thinking about and so I don't think all mm -hmm. these songs are written I, even though I think all these songs are written recently I don't I think they could be from a former point in time so I would not be surprised yes. if they were about Jake because this sounds like a relationship that ended and that it's a relationship she has described as red before and so I yeah I wouldn't be surprised right and the, the relationships and the moments that keep you up late at night are honestly not the, you know, peaceful relationships or honestly, like some of the more just, you know, steady ones. Like I, I've dated people who are wonderful and we just had a very normal relationship and I don't think about them at midnight ever. I think about the people who hurt me or wronged me or, you know, had the most torrid or high intensity love affairs. Anyways, I'm, I sound like a real nympho, but, uh, no, you're you know, exactly that's, right. That's my perspective. <laughs> Uh, I think the the worst lyric in this song, though, you know, again, it's my favorite song, is um, your roommate's cheap ass screw top rosé. Yes. I don't know. I don't. I don't love it. It's like <laughs> it's funny. Has Taylor Swift has basically been extremely rich rich since she was about eighteen. I'm just not buying that she's drinking someone's cheap ass screw top rosé. Okay, I don't even drink that, and I'm not rich. Well, I guess the question, Jan, is. What is cheap ass rosé to her? Because it could mean something very different to us. Mm, mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. That's so true. Thank you for putting me in my place. Um, <laughs> also, I, I guess like Taylor Swift just seems permanently fourteen to me. So it's it's always hard when she talks about like getting crazy drunk or something. Because I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't see that for you. Like I don't, I don't see you in that way. Yeah, there's there's videos on a uh, line of her being a little slurry at parties, host at her own house and with friends. Mm. Uh, and it is kind of funny to see her like that. But to your point, she does still like someone look like someone uh, who was drinking like at a friend's party in high school in these videos. Uh, yes. yes. I don't know. Did you yes. see any of the chatter online? I think this was a vulture piece and they were talking to Ann Powers, music critic at NPR. And they were talking about why Taylor is still seen as so young compared to some of her contemporaries mm. like Katy Perry right. and Adele. I think it's 
a myriad of things, like especially not least of which presentation. But Ann Powers said something somewhat controversial. And she said, well, look, Taylor is the only one of those artists who is not a mother. And I think a lot of times in our society, we don't make space to view people with Mm -hmm. as mature adults until they are parents. And she was, she was saying it, uh, she followed up by saying, look, I I hope Taylor continues to uh, be loud uh, about that or or be a visible representation of of women without children. Cause I think our our society uh, needs it. But I thought, I think that was an interesting thing to say. I love that. And I think Taylor speaks to, you know, feeling like she has to be one thing or the other. She has to be, you know, either a wife and a mother or, you know, she's like a, a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. I have never heard of Ann Powers, but thank you, Joe, for having done your research um, because I love that take. And I think it's so true. I mean, even as a fan, I'm, you know, I, I grew up hearing Taylor Swift sing about, you know, sing 15 and love story and white horse and those songs that just really do feel like teenage girl songs and it is like just it's a process to see her as a older woman and that older woman even sounds weird but just it's a process to see her not as like young taylor especially when so much of her songs are about being in love which sometimes feels like a juvenile topic i don't know do you, do you know what i'm saying I think so, especially in the way that she dresses up her songs about being in love. Yes. Like, look at Love Story and um, Red yes. compared to, like, Adele singing about um, someone like you or All I Ask. Like, mm-hmm. the, But I think this is maybe the first album where she really is deconstructing the ways in which she's talked about love, thought about love. And it's really empowering to see and, and, and fun right. to see her grow as a person and an artist like that, too. Right, 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 right. And I think to what you just said like she does at times have this like whimsical childlike energy even present day you know like oh, with yeah. all the easter eggs and the thir- and 13 and like the cats the merch mm-hmm, the cats yes exactly i so, think that childlike you know, kind of presentation is very apparent in the next on anti-hero you're exactly right joe i'm gonna play a little snippet of it by storm that lit up twitter before elon musk could get his hands on it sexy how do you feel about sexy baby well as a 30 rock fan i she's not the first to say it there's so the the internet is like (laughs) (laughs) divided over whether she this is a reference to 30 rock or something she came up with herself i think the internet is also divided over whether we like the lyric or not Um, right I don't like the lyric. I don't honestly really love this song. It's like this would be like sixth or seventh on my list on the album. Oh, interesting. I think if you ask me in five years, that'll be true for me. I love it as the first music video and and single. And it's like definitely return to form to Taylor. But it doesn't sound like any other song on the album. And uh, I have already kind of tired of it quickly. But I still think it's like a great song and I appreciate the idea of the lyrics, although like they somewhat feel like a rough draft, hence sexy baby. Yeah. 
Um, but right. I get what she's saying with it. I think that like I relate to the idea too. Like everyone is, especially living out here in LA, like everyone is so hot and pristine and I'm just like a mess, but um, I wouldn't, you know, call myself a sexy baby. I'm sorry. Uh, you were just talking about, you know, summiting a mountain on a second date. So I won't have any of that. It's not the only thing I've summited on a second date. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Oh, thank God for Joe Peacock. Um, all right. I I think as well with this song, I don't love Woe Is Me, Taylor, where she's like, I'm struggling to find my footing in society. Like she those that's a theme, you know, that that that's a prompt for her songwriting that she often returns to. And I appreciate that she's in that struggle. I just don't like the songs as much, frankly. I prefer I'm in love, Taylor, which I think this is also, uh, you know, subtext for why my favorite song off this album is my favorite song. But um, yeah, anything else about Antihero? Yeah, I read uh, this, I think maybe from that article you had pointed out at the top of the podcast, but the lyric when she sings, um, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman. Tale as old as time. People are saying that's an uh, uh, an ode to uh, her controversy she got into this year when someone leaked like the private check records or did kind of an analysis and found out like she's maybe the worst offender of emissions oh, and most yes. private jet trips. Yeah. And I guess Tree Payne yes, spoke yes. on her behalf and was like, um, just so you know, she, that's not all Taylor. She uses it for friends and other people, you know, who can't have a private jet a lot. And so I, I, people are just saying it's kind of <laughs> okay. that. I'm fully on board with that version of altruism. Um, thank you so much, Taylor Swift, for your service, for giving all these people who don't have private jets the access and the opportunity to to use a private jet. Like, wow, it's it's amazing. But I'm sorry, like Taylor Swift cannot fly commercial at this point. That would be so wrong to see her there. No, and no, that it would absolutely be like a fish out of water. It's just not right. I mean, she could not she could not be on any flight without being stormed by teenagers. And I mean, it's, it's a little, like, I don't feel like Harry, it's not safe for her to be on a commercial flight. I don't think it's feel like Harry Styles, not safe. There's too much fandom. Completely not. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next song. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. This one's a little snoozy, although it is good. So I'm just going to, you know, scrub a little bit. It's her duet with Lana Del Rey. Yes, Snow on the Beach. Thanks to you, and it's like snow at the beach. 
fucking beautiful Flying in a dream Stars by the pocket full You wanted me Tonight feels impossible But it's coming down No sound, it's all around Like snow on the beach Okay, thoughts on this one? I love Lana Del Rey, and I know Taylor Swift does as well. She's often cited her as uh, someone that she really looks up to and and admires and she feels is underappreciated. And I know the internet feels like Lana Del Rey should be used more on this song. I am completely content with the way she's used on here as kind of like an accent and a harmony. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I, I think if she were actually to be singing her separate verses, that wouldn't work with Taylor. I think she'd outshine her. So I feel like she's used beautifully. But to to your point, I also feel like it's a bit of a snooze, but I also love it. Like when it's on, I'm just like, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. But maybe I'm not yeah. always searching yeah. to, to play it. I'm not reaching for it, but I like it. Like I don't even have a crazy hot take on it because it's just, it's not offensive to me from the album. Not something I reach for, but I don't mind it when it's on. How do you feel about her uh, swearing uh, on, I mean, obviously Taylor Swift swears now, but. I don't like it. She's a teenager. She shouldn't be swearing. <laughs> <laughs> I think particularly on this track when she says uh, real uh, it's like snow on the beach something but fucking beautiful and she just kind of says it yeah. over and over again it begins to feel like a bit of a crutch but um, yes. I mean I'm not offended <sighs> by it but yeah like we get it this is the problem with everyone who's grown up with Taylor Swift it's just hard for you to see her be a full adult because it sounds like she's swearing for the first time you know a hundred percent Um. okay we've got a lot of tracks to get through so we're going to blow past the next few Still the yearning stays I play it cool with the best of I'm gonna scrub a little bit I wait patiently I play Zash I play Zash It's a waited ages to see you there I search the party of better bodies Just to learn that you never cared You're on your own, kid You always have been Okay, you're on your own, kid. Love this. I like it. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Uh, I I totally like it. I think that if we're talking about once again the songs where Taylor's struggling to find her footing, uh, I like this one more than uh, Antihero. I think. Yeah, I I love this song. I think it's quintessential Taylor. It takes you Mm -hmm. on a story with. Uh, lessons learned and closure. And I think it's very particular to her life. And I think this song is exactly what I'm talking about in the sense that she's deconstructing the narrative she's previously told on other records. Like kind of essentially saying, I used to think love would be like this, but I recognize, you know, a perfect kiss is not going to save me. And I don't know. I I think it slaps. And I I think she's so self-aware in it, talking about how hard she tries and has tried to be the perfect pop star or find the perfect guy. You know, she nods or she doesn't even nod to it. She speaks about her eating disorder. She says, I starved my body uh, through parties or something like that is the rhyme. Uh, I, yeah, I really like this one. Should we listen yeah, to a little bit more? Yeah, that line hits me. It's so sharp when she says, I starved yeah. my body. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, we all have truly. And... Yeah, I, but, the, but when I do, it's like for two hours. And I'm like, oh, that was so hard. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Intermittent fasting, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's play a little bit more. Oh, 
I mean, that part, like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. I, I love that because that is a quintessential feeling, I think, when you're single. A hundred percent is. And it's also something that Taylor literally told us would happen in songs like Love Story and mine. Mm-hmm. And I think it reminds me of that song Daylight off Lover where she's like, I used to think love would be burning red, but now it's daylight. I'm like, no shit. I thought love would be like that. You told me it would yes. be so. And so yes. I love it. She's like, Joe, that- children, it's different now. It's like the New Testament. Yes. Yes, it is the New Testament. <laughs> and you're exactly right. She did paint this picture of love that is so bombastic, so fantastical. You know, it's one, you're one perfect kiss away from your life completely changing. Um, and then I think, yeah, she's really evolved to, you know, talk about how it's, you know, more like her song Peace or Daylight, like you said. 100%. And like the only way that is true that you're one perfect kiss away from your life changing is in a negative way. Like, yeah, you're one kiss away from getting oral herpes, aren't we all? Right. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale. Okay. This is a warning. This is a CDC warning. Uh, okay. Let's move on to Midnight Rain. He wanted a comfortable, I wanted that pain. He wanted a bride, I was making my own name. Chasing that fame, he stayed the same. All of me changed like midnight. I, it's, it's like I don't, I have a hard time even stopping the song. To, you like this one? To chat about. I do really like it. This one's grown on me a lot. Same. I know what it's divisive the way, the way they use her vocals in that, um, almost in a real masculine way. But yeah. I yeah. love this song. It's a standout track to me, and it's just so unique to this album. And I love it lyrically. Yes. Too. Yes. Yes. Uh, this one allegedly is about Tom Hiddleston. What do you think? I fully believe that because here's the thing is like Tom Hiddleston, when they were going out that their short lived romance, he definitely because of his age and the way he looked at Taylor and the way he presented himself in his life looked like he was like ready to settle down. And I feel like he yep, said as yep. much in interviews post and she sings. Um, <laughs> he wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing that fame. He stayed the same. All of me changed. I'm just like, I am obsessed with it. I love that idea of you looking back on someone you once liked and realizing he stayed the same and I changed. It's a flex, right. but it's also like, oh, of course you weren't supposed to work out. Like, exactly. we obviously want something different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think it's about Tom? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that she wasn't as into Tom as she wasn't with her other dudes. So she just yeah. was like, well, I, of course I'm not going to settle down with you because like, you know, I'm, I don't think you're the one, but this, it was fun for a time, you know, getaway car, uh, totally. you know, Tom, Tom Hiddleston has given us some amazing songs. So thank you, Tom, for everything you've done. He has. And well, she got with him immediately after her breakup with Calvin Harris. Mm-hmm. And as my yes. sister and Tavlo have reminded us constantly, like the best way to get over <laughs> someone is to get under someone. And I think mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what that was. Yeah. That's exactly what that was. And I think he's doing well now. I don't actually really care. Um, he's on a Disney Plus series. Be- he's doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, can you disclose his paycheck? Um, Joe works for Disney, everybody. is there are, are there any numbers you can disclose? You can just say he's doing fine. I can't, but I should clarify that all my comments on this podcast are not my own. Disney is making me say all of them. So. <laughs> Yes, excellent disclaimer. Um, (laughs) So funny. Okay, let's move on to question dot 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 
question mark. Who, who um, does that remind you of? Because that reminds me of uh, Shania Twain's whole discography of how she would put like, you know, exclamation points, question mark. Yes, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bizarre, I will say. Um, but I'm here for it because I fucking love this song. You're okay? a question girly. I love girly. this song. I it, it was an instant hit for me when I first listened to the track. I was like, yep, saving this. We'll want to put this on repeat at one point. Uh, let's play it. Yeah, yeah. Good girl, sad boy, big city, wrong choices. We had one thing going on. I swear that it was something because I don't remember who I was before you painted all my nights. A color I've searched for since, but one thing after another fucking situation, circumstances, miscommunications, and I have to say, by the way, I just may like some explanations. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room? And every single one of your friends was making fun of you. But 15 seconds later, they were clapping too. Then what did you do? Did you leave a house in the middle of the night? Did you wish you'd put up more of a fight? Oh, when she said it was too much, do you wish you could still touch her? It's just a question. Okay, I love it so much. What? How do you feel about it? The first time I heard this song, honestly, my reaction was the title, like, question, like, what is this doing on here? What does this song mean? But I knew that you and our, our mutual friend, Drea, are question girlies. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to listen to this song. And I have to say, this is one of the few that I reach for now. And I can't, yes. I'm interested to explore why, because I do genuinely like the song. I think there's some, like, vulnerability in it, mm-hmm. in the sense, I feel like I've been in those relationships where as you're getting to know someone, you literally do just want to be like all the time, can I ask you a question? Like, did you right, ever feel right. like this? Or how do you, like, yeah, I don't know if yeah. that's what this song is getting at, but like, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. It's like that frank honesty you want to have even once you've broken up with someone. Like, hey, like, was that as good for you as it was for me? Like, was that, was that, were we on the same page? Um, Also, I think that even just the title kind of looks like a text, you know, like question, yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, this song allegedly, according to a TikToker that I was looking at, Ooh, yeah. uh, is about Harry Styles. Mm. What do you think? I'm looking. <laughs> uh, I I could believe it. Yeah, I feel again. I feel like she was doing this creative writing prompt, and I'm sure she like went back to where she was at in in the post of, of a lot of different relationships. And I mean, let's not lie. And- Harry Styles has had to have been on her mind the past year. Absolutely. Allegedly, uh, this is about Harry Styles. And one bit of evidence for that is because they have shared this New Year's kiss that maybe they think people think she's alluding to with the song. Let me play that part really quick. Did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room? And every single one of your friends was making fun of you. But 15 seconds later, they were clapping too. Then what did you do? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. No, I've changed my mind the last 10 seconds. It's definitely about Harry. Uh, I looked up that video. Um, Did you see a Chan of of them kissing on New Year's Eve? 
It's yes. so cringe because I'll set the scene. It's a crowded like Times Square. It's Times it's- Square, which is cringe <laughs> in and of itself. The the cutest neighborhood in the city. <laughs> and they're obviously like brought in there by security, like right to the mm-hmm. countdown. And fans are watching, screaming Taylor, Harry. Right. And right. they count down and then they kiss. And it just looks and feels so staged. But then it's so cringe because it- they kiss and people clap. And then like 10 seconds later, Taylor does what all of us would have done if we had just kissed Harry Styles. She goes back for more. And it just is like, this should not be taking place here in a crowded <sighs> right, room right, in Times right, Square. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. It, the whole kiss sequence does not feel natural. We will uh, we'll post some teasers or at least the video on our Instagram with this episode because everyone needs to see and, you know, decide for themselves. Um, to continue on with Taylor's cringe, we have to get to the next song, which is not going to be easy for either of us because I know your feelings about it. And I can only assume that most of the listeners agree with us. And yeah, I have I've had one too many people I know post about this song and let me just say that uh i saw and i won't be able to unsee the fact that certain people like this song here we go actually let me just start that over again because you need to hear the cringy first lyric that makes me literally never want to be a feminist (laughs) draw the cat eyes sharp enough to kill a man You did some bad things, but I'm the worst of them. Sometimes I wonder which one will be your last lie. They say looks can kill, and I might try. I don't dress for women. I don't dress for men. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge. Mm. It's giving the worst of reputation that is the perfect description of it it is so cringe i don't have a ton of thoughts on the song because thankfully uh spotify has the hide the song feature and i've hidden the song so it doesn't even come up <laughs> it's so bad the production is a ripoff of billy eilish who we love but it, it, someone was mm-hmm. so savage on yeah. twitter and posted a screenshot of uh the uh, writing compilation of, of the album and it was like hmm and this is the only song that Taylor Swift wrote by herself. Yes, <laughs> like yes. Some the, the Taylor Swift is obviously an amazing songwriter, but when she's at her worst, I think is when she's at her most literal. And this is just like, oof. yeah, exactly. It, this is the this is the track that everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got to keep it in. We just got to keep it in. Let's just you know, we got other ones. We got you know, we've got Maroon on there. Let's just throw it in in the middle, and hopefully people gloss over it. Uh, yeah, I I cannot stand I revenge. <laughs> Taylor well no and especially for things that you feel like were already previously litigated on other records like this song is obviously about Scooter Braun who uh bought her masters and I'm like Scooter Braun has since gotten a divorce and I feel like it's kind of petty for Taylor Swift to be singing about his divorce about how his ex-wife now gets the house she gets the kids gets the bride it's like okay oh my gosh I did not realize that yeah it's like Taylor had nothing to do with the divorce I don't think right right and she has better like revenge adjacent songs like Karma, okay? Oh, but we'll get there. We're so we're going to I say we blast through Bejeweled and Labyrinth unless you have major thoughts on them. How do you feel? Hey, yeah, I love Bejeweled Labyrinth. I forget it's there, but it kind of does no harm. Okay, Bejeweled, I don't mind. The Bejeweled music video though was the writing. I oh. I just when she acts, I mean, I love Laura Dern, but I 
and sure Haim's great but like I, I don't know that I was so, I had like secondhand cringe embarrassment when I was watching the music video I like no offense like obviously like I watched there and was getting watched at the premiere but like I'm sorry ta- defund Taylor Swift like she should not be writing <laughs> <laughs> she should not be writing or directing her own music videos no she should not be Ugh. Joe and also yeah no offense to Taylor you know we love you I've been to almost every single one of her tours I've touched her arm like oh. there's no one who rides harder for Taylor Swift but I will also you know I'm a real friend I'm a real ass friend and I'll say you're being cringe or you know this writing sucks when I need to say it yeah get Joseph Kahn back in the room because blank space and wildest dreams were amazing I don't mm-hmm. know if you directed the latter but also you know one of the rare times I'm gonna side with Jake Gyllenhaal I you know we both probably don't find Taylor Swift to be a comedian okay <laughs> But she, she just, it's just, wow. It's cringe because she obviously thinks she's so funny. I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. And it's like the, the stepmother thing. It's just, this is where Taylor Swift also becomes a child again because it's like in her yes. mind, the, the revenge scenario was like this like fairy godmother or like, or this is like the Cinderella story. And I'm like, let's find a new narrative. Okay. Or let's find some new imagery at least. Totally. Uh, but I will say, like, I listen to Bejeweled all the time because I think it's so fun. Um, but And it's such a great pop song, which they're kind of a return to 1989 or Lover, which there's not as many tracks on this album. But I think this is a perfect moment in time to just clarify. Taylor has been talking a lot in interviews about how this is a concept album. Uh, I, this track, really, like, this is, like, ooh, <laughs> this is a concept album as much as Red was a concept album about Jake Gyllenhaal not showing up to your 22nd birthday party. As much as Lover is a concept album about wanting to have Joe Alwyn's babies. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, a concept what album is Sam's Town by, by the a con- yeah, Well, what, a concept yeah, what, album what traditionally, yeah, a concept album traditionally is where, like, an artist will have this concept of, I'll use Sam's Town by the Killers, their second record as an example, yeah. of we're going to go back to the small town and write songs that really feel like a small town and mm-hmm, are all mm-hmm. under this concept of taking place in this specific environment. Um, right, right. And I think with the problem with this one is just like, it doesn't sound to me any different or any more contained than Reputation or Lover. Yes, yes. It doesn't feel super different, this song, yeah. is what you're saying, right, from her this, other this, song. Okay, let's play it. Yeah. This whole album. Yeah. Yeah, this whole album. Yeah. I would say that like folklore feels like more of a concept album. A hundred percent. Because it's like it's yeah. all very indie, you know, folky. Yeah. Um, folklore is like you yeah. you went to Jewish summer camp and got stuck in the woods. Yeah. Concept. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Good for you. Okay. Let's play a little bit of Bejeweled. I think we're just okay to skip Labyrinth if you're okay with that. I'm totally okay. Okay. And then we'll get to Karma. So real quick, a little bit of Bejeweled. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, 
everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. The music video ruined it for me personally. So the music video is um, cringe. I think it's a fun song to play as you're like glamming up and getting ready to go out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, This next song is Karma. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context on my thoughts with it because I've been on a journey with this song. Upon first listening, I got cringe from it. I got my cheeks were Mm -hmm. a little bit flushed. I was like, I'm ashamed to be listening to this. And I don't know what happened, but around, you know, day six, seven, uh, AT after Taylor or sorry, AM after midnight, um, (laughs) I turned a corner and I was like, wait, I love this song. I love it. And I think you said in our group chat, like, I love the idea of karma being like a good thing, like, and and seeing karma as like, as your friend, because you know, whatever, you've been a great person. So should we play a little bit of this? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I've never heard of karma talked about in such a positive connotation and specifically the line where she says, karma is my boyfriend. And she says, um, karma is the man from the screen coming straight home to Mm me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like growing up, like I was told like, um, Hey, if you read your scriptures and be a good person, you can maybe have a wife. And this is the first time someone telling me if you can be a good person, you can have a hot boyfriend. And I was like, for the For the first time in my life, like, I mean, this song, like, makes me want to be a good person, and I'm just, like, power of music. (laughs) Right, because if you're a good person, you will get a hot partner. And honestly, like... You're living proof. you want? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I I also am obsessed with those lyrics when she says, karma is is the man on the screen coming straight home to me. Regardless of how well conversations with friends did uh, and, you know, with the critics, she's got a damn point. It's so good. It's I so love good. it. Yeah. To see the glare of everyone you burn just to get there. It's coming back around. And I keep my side of the street clean. You wouldn't know what I It's so good. It's so good. It's a bop with the message. What more it's, could you want? It's such a bop. I'm here for, you know, dancing on Scooter Braun's grave with this song. Like, I, I'm here for this type of revenge song. I think this is what Katy Perry meant when she said she wanted to make purposeful pop. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know that, that you have that sound bite ready. <laughs> You're so good. Um, And we get to... 
I don't even know what number track this is, but we get to my favorite song off the album next. It's beautiful. Are you ready? Sweet Nothing. Yeah. Sweet Nothing. Um, when I got to this song, I cried first time I heard it. It's so beautiful. Um, I, I love Invisible String and this feels like a sequel or a continuation of the the invisible string type songs that I am obsessed with. I also, I posted this on the Instagram, but if you'll remember, Calvin Harris also has a song called sweet nothing. I didn't know that. Sorry. Sweet nothings. I think. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh yeah. Actually I'll, let me play a little bit to jog your memory. Is that a love song too? Um, I don't know. It's like a, it's a song of, of sorts, but <laughs> it's, it's with like, it's for with um Florence and the Machines. But let me play a little bit because I think it's pretty ballsy to, you know, title a track about your the love of your life uh you know with the same title as a song from your ex-boyfriend, a popular song by your ex-boyfriend. You took my heart and you held it in your- this is not very exciting. Anyways, that's a little snippet of Sweet Nothing by Calvin Harris. Let's play Taylor Swift's Sweet Nothing. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. I found myself around and under your sweet nothings. Outside they push and shove in. You're in the kitchen humming. All that you ever wanted from me was sweet nothing. I love this part, by the way. On the way home, I wrote a poem. You say what a mind this happens all the time I mean I don't want to wax poetic about Joe Allen too much but I do really think that he's her perfect person and I hope they stay together and I yeah I just think that he appreciates her and really does like provide a safe harbor for her and anyways i love this song so much yeah this song would would say so that he is uh it is just so beautiful and it sounds like a mature relationship and it's such a clever song uh and just so mm-hmm. so sweet I, it's not in my rotation as much i think just because we're in different uh life places i'm also getting nothing from men but it, not in a sweet way you know <laughs> um <laughs> 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 I it, it, yes yes I hear you yeah it's it's so funny because I think that yeah her music just hits you at different points in your life and depending on what you're going through where you're at romantically or with whatever you're with it in uh there's a Taylor Swift song for you and that's her magic and her power absolutely but that it's a beautiful song and I haven't heard anyone that that, that doesn't like it it's so good um Okay, 
we're starting to get towards the end of midnight and then we're going to get into the 3 a.m. edition extra songs. Um, I am starting to wane with the songs that I like. So now I kind of I'm going to play Mastermind because I think that one's amazing. And then I think, Joe, it's up to you which ones you want to call out from, you know, the rest of the, you know, the concept album, as she said. So let's play a little bit of Mastermind. Perfect. Yeah, this is the closer on the album. mastermind what do we think i think it's a great closer track it reminds me of like a song that might play during the closing credits of a movie that's trying to get an 80s vibe Uh, but i also Mm -hmm. relate to it lyrically i love that like i think there's a lot of people out there like me like her who try to take the pen of fate especially as it relates to like romantically and i think she it's just um it's a it's a cute song but i have to say it's not one that I'm, i'm going to regularly what do you think though yeah um, I really like it. I like sometimes when she does the self-aware thing where she talks about like sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. And in this song, I like it. Chan, I know that we're both planners. And yeah. I think the song is all about her being a planner in reference yes. to like her relationship yeah. and love. Do you feel like you're a mastermind or do you let um, fate kind of take you? Oh, it? I'm for sure a mastermind. I think where she loses me is when she's like, no one wants to play with me as a, no one wanted to play with me as a child where I'm like, okay. And then you lost me. Like, I'm not saying I was, you know, miss popularity. I wasn't student government though. Um, but yeah, she loses. I am with you. That is a cringe <laughs> of all cringe lines. I think a, because it feels vulnerable, but also just like a, it doesn't rhyme. And she's just kind of like spitting it out. There's like, just so you know, no one wanted to play with me as a little child. Like it's <laughs> yes. not, to any music and it's just like yes huh as I, like i don't remember who wanted to play with me or not as a little kid like i was playing I mean, with myself yeah how many times has jack antonoff had to sit through her talking about no one wanting to play with her as a child <laughs> like what about abigail like, we, literally literally what about justice for abigail and it's like he he's at that point he's probably like can we just you know finish this recording session so i can you know go home to margaret qualley or whoever you know <laughs> hottie of du jour was yeah it's just like the woe is me taylor i'm such a dweeb you belong with me she loses me it's it's valid on that one um yeah yeah okay um where would you like to go with the 3 a.m you know additional tracks you tell me okay yeah maybe just broadly you know she, she released the, the seven tracks at 3 a.m uh, very literal of these are seven tracks that didn't make the album. They're also seven tracks that were produced largely with Aaron Dessner, her other co-collaborator of mm-hmm. Evermore and Folklore that were that he she didn't collaborate on the main tracks of this album. I think she rightfully excluded all of these with the exception, I say, that yeah. a major standout and one that's getting a lot of buzz is bigger than the whole sky. It's a beautiful, yes. sad, 
beautiful song, a haunting, and it, uh, a lot of people are relating to it um, who have maybe you know have had miscarriages or lost a loved one, particularly um, mm-hmm. a, a, a baby. Um, and the lyrics are very beautiful. But outside of that, a lot of them are again with feuds that have feel like they've been previously litigated um, and are yes. just like not that great of bops. But I'll be honest, even a lot of them are, are growing on me. Yeah. Okay. Should we play bigger than the whole sky? Yeah. really beautiful it's beautiful i think the other one that is being buzzed about a lot is would have could have should have which a lot of people take to be about john mayer because it's 19 she dated him when she was 19 and the lyrics are very brutal and potent and the track has grown on me it's a bop but i also just like have a hard time believing that like she's being kept up at night by john mayer like i think the only person john mayer is keeping up at night is john mayer you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, what I will say is that when I think when you're very young and you have like a formative experience with a guy, yeah. it does sort of haunt you. Let's let's play mm. those lyrics, though, because yeah. I think they are they're damning. Like Dear John was, you know, the most damning. This is just a follow up. So, so someone on Twitter posted a viral tweet that said, uh, oh, my God, would have, could have, should have makes Dear John sound like the nicest song in the world. Yes, yes. I love the lyric okay. about uh, her splashing some paint on a promising grown man. If you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first couple verses. Okay, here we go. Spit me out at the first chance. If I was some paint, did it splatter? On a promising grown man. If I was a child, did it matter? Scathing. It's Scathing. good. Yeah, it's good. I'm, yeah, to your it's point, I'm sure a lot of women relate to it too. Yeah, maybe men. it's good. I think, yeah, like you have said, though, we, I've, we've gone down the John Mayer road. And yeah, this was this was litigated in what red or what what fear dear John was off of fearless or wasn't it or something? You're adorable. It was uh, speak now. Speak now. I always mm-hmm. I always forget 
that Speak Now is called Speak Now because it's kind of like a cringy title. Um, Yes, this was litigated so long ago. But wow. Anyways, (sighs) Midnight's. What an album. What a time time to to be be alive. alive. (gasps) I just got chills. (laughs) Joe, any parting thoughts? Hmm. Just stream Midnight. We've really got to make this a record release. <laughs> We've really, she's struggling. She could use all the royalties, you know, she could give her. Oh, actually, there was one thing about Sweet Nothing that I forgot to mention. Yeah. It's the only song that William Bowery is a co-writer on. Oh, is which it? Is, yeah. And William Bowery is obviously the pseudonym for Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of that song he wrote. Yeah. I just like, I, I like, can't picture them writing yeah, together. You're right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's but I'm little- sure he did. I'm sure he did something. It's a little too cheeseball, though, to think that, like, he co-wrote the one amazing, one of the, you know, amazing, stunning love songs off the album. Yeah, it's a, it's a little mushy. I mean, the song yeah. isn't, but the idea of them writing it together, yeah, like, right, by right, candlelight, right. but it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Mm-hmm. Taylor, she's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, any thoughts about her tour? What What do you think that's going to, like, hold in store for us? I wonder if she'll call it, like, a Daylight and Midnight's tour, some sort of play Ooh, on that. Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but I do feel like it'll be a compilation of all the new music she's released since her last tour. So that's like, what, mm-hmm. four new albums and then yeah. the all too well 10-minute version. I imagine she'll play yeah. every stop. But I can't wait for it to um, be released so we can start planning our lives and I budgets know. around it. Right. So I can start selling off my body and belongings to, you know, make it there. A hundred percent. I guess that would be my parting thoughts uh, with your listeners, Jan. It's just the question of what are you doing to prepare for the next Taylor Swift uh, global stadium tour, right? Like (laughs) sell your hair. (laughs) Yeah. Liquidate your assets. (laughs) What work? And also what work are you doing, you know, inside to prepare yourself Mm, for the tour? To meet your maker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Joe. I love you so much. We are so blessed to have had you on the pod again. This time, this episode hopefully doesn't have as many technical difficulties. Um, I was flying solo as the audio technician last time, and you know there were some troubles, but so happy to have had you back. Everyone, this is Joe. He's amazing. If you want to follow him on Instagram, you should. He's uh, Say your handle for everyone. Oh, yeah. Thank you. At, to all my Joe heads out there, uh, at that <laughs> Joe Peacock. I, I wasn't planning on on giving you this. Joe did not ask for that shout out to follow his Instagram, but uh, I figured I'd send everyone his way because he's the funniest person I've ever met. Um, and also, if you can't get enough of Joe and his Instagram, you know, isn't filling your tank, you can go back and listen to the other Taylor Swift episode with Joe. Uh, where we covered almost all of her songs. Um, And we did that last year. So anyways, love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Joe. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Chan. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Yeah.